If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right. We are off and running with a very busy, (laughs) a very busy week yet again here. You know, normally we're marching towards, we still are, I guess, marching towards the Christmas holiday, marching towards the new year, marching towards a point in time when things maybe even slow down a little bit, but that is not the case here as we are still working ourselves through all of this fallout of election turmoil and so forth. And I want to get to some things today on Friday. By the way, email Todd at com, Facebook.com slash Show for those that want to watch the program live on demand, com as well. That's the best place to watch the program if you're dying to check out a guy with a face for radio. But I'm telling you that this is uh, the one place I can always promise you it's going to be <laughs> up and running is on our on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Who knows what those jokers will do. But anyway, Friday night, Friday evening, decision came down from the Supreme Court of the United States of America that they would not uh, be hearing the Texas case. They would not be hearing the Texas case regarding this election. And of course, um, there's some some things to talk about with that in particular. And I want to start. I want to start with Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz, of course, attorney, um, someone who, I mean, he's a liberal. But he's he's one of these individuals that actually I think I think goes about trying to apply the law fairly instead of saying, okay, who are the people that we're talking about? Or if if you're talking about people who agree with me, I'm going to interpret the law one way. If you're talking about people who disagree with me, I'm going to I'm going to interpret it another. I don't I do not believe Alan Dershowitz falls into that category. Which candidly makes him unique because, because typically, typically as I've said, as I've said on this program before, uh, if something happens or when something happens in our culture today, the first thing we say, what is the first thing the media says, is what is the political affiliation of the person who is accused of the offense? Is it Donald Trump? Then he's guilty. He deserves to be impeached. He deserves to go to prison. He deserves to lose his fortune. He deserves whatever this, uh, whatever we can, 
pull off, whatever we can actually get away with, that is what the guy deserves. If it's one of our folks, if it's Joe Biden, if it's Kamala Harris, Hunter Biden, um, you know, someone from the deep state, then we have technicalities, then we have uh, you know, misinterpretation and misapplication of the, of the law. We have a complete lack of interest in justice. Hillary Clinton, we could throw in there as well. This is how this is typically done. I don't think Dershowitz falls into that category is, is my point. So he's being interviewed. Um, Newsmax, Stinchfield, is asking him to kind of summarize his thoughts on the Supreme Court's decision not to hear the Texas case. Again, the Texas case, just to give you a frame of reference, the Texas case was brought by the state of Texas against four states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia, I believe. And the case said essentially that these states violated the electors clause of the Constitution because they uh, were basically not playing by the rules. The point being that we all have this framework that we've signed on to this Constitution. It is the the glue. It is the the contract, the agreement for those states that are in this union. And so they say we've all agreed to elect a president in a certain way. We've all said our state legislatures will set the rules pertaining to our individual states' elections, but that's how we're going to do it. We're not going to have some bureaucrat, some elections official, some governor, some governor like Andrew Cuomo, who, by the way, while he's busy shutting down your business in New York City, telling you you can't eat inside yet again, even though by their own data, what is it, something like 1%, 1-point-something percent of all uh, COVID cases, according to according to research that they've released uh, pertaining to contra- contact tracing, 1.4 or some percent, I, I don't have it in front of me, percent of all COVID cases can be traced back to indoor dining or restaurant dining. Andrew Cuomo, governor of the state of New York, says we're going to we're going to shut it down again. Meanwhile, he's not having a birthday bash in Hollywood. Happy birthday to Governor Andrew Cuomo, who apparently, reportedly, is on the short list, maybe even actually be the reported attorney general, should there ever be a Biden administration. Anyway, that's out there percolating in the background. Um, but but the, elect, the, the, the state of Texas says, look, we're not we, – the, the Constitution is clear – Legislatures set set the rules for how their electors are chosen, not bureaucrats, not governors, not courts. It's the it's the legislature's job, and they didn't do it. It's clear that they didn't do it. There is no doubt at all. There is literally no doubt that the legislatures did not set in place these rules uh, that Texas and and other states who signed on to this are objecting to. There is no doubt about this. This is indisputable. Supreme Court says, after some deliberations as to whether or not they're going to take the case, they decided we're not going to move forward with this case because the plaintiffs, the state of Texas and others, do not have standing. Standing is basically a legal term that means 
you know, for example, I can't, um, if, if I see my neighbor, this is a very simple way of looking at standing, I suppose. But if I see my neighbor uh, be victimized by someone, I can't file a claim. I can't, I wasn't the party that was harmed. I saw someone get, you know, say I saw my neighbor get assaulted. Criminal cases at some point take on a life of their own. But I'm just, for the sake of understanding, I see something happen. It didn't directly impact me. I try to get something done about that. They say, sir, you don't have standing. This doesn't, you didn't actually experience any harm. So they've said that to the state of Texas. And meanwhile, well-meaning individuals have said, what do you mean Texas doesn't have standing? This is an election for the president of the United States. It's an, you know, a position, a, a, a an office that all the states, it, impact, it impacts all of us. It's not just a state election where they've elected their governor a certain way. It's not some state house uh, election in the state of Michigan, wherever, one of these four states. This is, an, an, this is how they have agreed. They've signed on to the idea that led, that electors are appointed by rules that are set by the legislature of their respective states, and they didn't do this. They extended deadlines. They did away with re- requirements. They mass-mailed ballots in some cases. That wasn't the way that you're supposed to be able to vote. I mean, some of these are so such clear violations. It's not even an argument. You can't argue. You know, for example, I think it's, is it Wisconsin where there's two you either vote in person or you get an absentee ballot, but you have to demonstrate that you are – that you must. You, you just cannot vote on election day in person, so then you get a ballot mailed to you, but you have to demonstrate that. So that means you just can't drop them in the mail. I mean it's, pre- it's pretty straightforward and simple, but we don't ever get to that point of the argument because there's these technicalities. Now, the left's out there basically saying, look – the Supreme Court, like all these other courts that have shot you down for whatever reason, have looked at the evidence. That, 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 but that's not what happened. They didn't look at the merits. They looked at the technicality, and they said that you do not have standing. Standing, of course, is is important. But to say that there's no standing here is, I think, a stretch. It doesn't matter so much what I think. It matters more what the legal experts like Alan Dershowitz think, and that's what I want to get to here. Dershowitz on Stinchfield is asked to summarize his opinion in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision not to take on the Texas case, and here is how he responds. Well, this was the strongest case that I think the Trump team had, and I think there are two interpretations. One, the technical legal interpretation And I think Alito and Thomas get the better of the argument that probably Texas does have standing if you had an extreme case where one state may have impacted the election against the interests of another state, the Supreme Court would have standing. But the other point is the job of a lawyer is to predict what the courts will do, in fact. And I think this Supreme Court decision sends a message. The majority included the three justices appointed by President Trump, and they all said, no, we're not going to hear the Texas case. We're not going to get involved in this election. I think this sends a message. It's not a legal message, but it's a practical message that the Supreme Court is out of this game. They may conceivably take the Pennsylvania case, but the Pennsylvania case 
may not involve enough votes to turn around even Pennsylvania. But even if Pennsylvania would turn around, you'd need at least three other states to turn around the election. So I, I've always said from the beginning, you'd need a perfect storm to turn around this election. The judiciary, you don't have it. The legislature, so far, you don't have it. Uh, the numbers, they might be there, but the evidence isn't there. And then most important, the clock. We're down to the two-minute warning. There are no timeouts. And I don't know how this can be brought about by Monday, which is when the electors vote. I think that's what the Supreme Court was saying. And so I do think right. that this marks the practical end of this effort. But I want to congratulate the lawyers. I think they've done a great job creatively bringing this to the attention of the courts and the American public. That was an important function to perform. Okay. So that's what Dershowitz has to say. This was on Friday, of course, today. Today's the day that the electors are supposed to be uh, voting. I say supposed to be scheduled to vote here in the various states at their state houses around the country at different times today. Trump's team says that is, again, there's only one date that matters, and that is eh, two dates, January 20 or January 6th, when Congress has to basically vote to approve or uh, not approve these electors. And then January 20th, noon, when the new administration uh, will be sworn in or inauguration day for whoever is uh, actually elected via the Electoral College on that day. So those are the dates that, that matter, say the Trump legal team, but electors or are, are casting ballots uh, today in the various states and the District of Columbia in this great nation. So, but I want to talk about what Dershowitz is saying here because I think he's on to something. I think um, it's something I've I've thought myself, which is the courts don't want anything to do with this. The courts don't want to get involved in anything that's political for several reasons. The courts, uh, so the Supreme Court in particular, Really, they, they want to uh, leave these political issues up to you know the political process. The, pro the problem is, the problem is, what do you do? What do you do? do? Do courts not intervene when there is such fraud, mismanagement? I mean, levels at which are, are incomprehensible. That's where I don't agree with Dershowitz, by the way, saying that there's not – they haven't presented quite enough evidence or whatever. They don't have enough votes that they can show were affected by fraud or maybe they do, maybe they don't sort of thing. I I just for, – for those that have followed this closely, it is overwhelming. Again, I can just com uh, compare this to when I was on a jury trial. Uh, I wasn't on trial, I should mention. I was a juror. And I, I just – I remember sitting there and getting information as you sit on that jury. And I, I'm just thinking of, of how this would be presented in court, how long this would take to hear all the evidence, the statisticians, um, those who are you know hopefully, conceivably, one day going to actually be able to audit. That's something else I want to get to today, the Antrim County – Michigan voting machines have been audited, but a judge there um, is blocking, has not allowed those results to be released yet, which is quite uh, quite puzzling given that this is supposedly the most transparent 
and the safest election America has ever had. So I want to talk about those things on the other side of this break. Quick timeout is in order. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. I should mention, I know many of you have... Uh, have an interest. Some of you have gone to the website. Some of you have not taken the time to do that yet to get busy, distracted, but caring at Christmas.com. This is our partnership with Shepherd Community Center, east side of Indianapolis. This is uh, something that they do to help their uh, those that they serve, again, on the near east side of Indianapolis. They provide Christmas for families in need. And again, as I've said before, Shepherd is not simply just interested in um, meeting the need of, you know, giving, helping folks give Christmas gifts to their kids, which is important, right? This is a good thing. But they actually address the root causes of poverty and they try to help folks escape and break that cycle. It's a great organization. I love what Jay, the executive director, Jay Height, and his team are doing. I think if more conservatives understood this, more conservatives would be on board with helping. And here's your chance to do that. CaringAtChristmas.com. You can go. You can shop. You can have your gifts sent. Uh, you don't have to leave your, your home. You can do it all online. Or if you prefer, if you prefer, you can actually uh, purchase toys and take them to one of our three drop-off locations. Freedom 95 Studios in Franklin, just off of 31. Um, Mr. Quick Home Services, 86th and I think it's Georgetown on the northwest-ish side of Indianapolis. Or our studio, not our studios, our offices, the Todd Huff Show offices. You can meet the team. You can meet Paws and Bubbles. Maybe I'll be there as well. That's in Mooresville. Caring at Christmas.com is the site. This is the last week. They're going to be giving these gifts out or opening up their store, I guess, is what they do. Uh, they'll be doing that um, early, maybe this weekend or early next week. So we've got to wrap this up by Friday. That's it, Friday, folks. Caring at Christmas.com. Check it out. And I appreciate those that have helped already. And for those that are considering it, now's a great time to look. So let's get back into. Um, just this whole issue of, of the courts. as I've, I've thought for a while, and Dershowitz has, I guess, reinforced this belief that I have. I've thought for a while that this is um, – if we're going to see something change, and I'm not predicting that's going to happen um, as far as this election, how this goes, especially today, right? We have electors voting today. Sydney Powell and her team says, look, we still – Rudy out there, Giuliani saying there's there's still time because they haven't accepted this and so forth. And that's technically true. It gets, it gets tighter and tighter the way that this uh, progresses. It gets more difficult the further down this path that, that we go. But if we want to see actual changes take place, we have to see this happen – on the level of the state legislatures, which interestingly enough, if you think about 
the the Texas case, ultimately, it was really just asking. I say just because it's it's a big deal, but for the court to recognize that the states in question, the states who have had their election laws uh, just completely ignored or broken or violated, um, all a mixture of all those things. The states, uh, they were basically asking the court to, to recognize that, hey, you have a remedy here, and that is for the state legislature to take back, to take back the electors, the right of choosing the electors, which they have, as the Trump legal team has said many times, they have that plenary power. They have that fundamental right as um, as a state legislature, all 50 state legislatures can actually say, look, we know in the majority of cases, what is it, 33 states plus the District of Columbia, their electors um, by state statute are supposed to be assigned based upon the outcome of the popular vote in their particular state. And so um, that is seems to be okay. Well, this is the the election, the the numbers that have been certified by the states. So then, um, this is the official election results. So these are how the electors are going to be chosen. The problem is, as an independent observer who watches this stuff go down, if you're watching this and listening to this, and you see the evidence, and you see courts really in a lot of ways play games because they don't want to take this. They haven't taken the case and then sat there and listened to the evidence and they've uh, they've actually said that's that is um, you know th- there's not enough there to, to change this election. Instead, this has been more technicality. In fact, as you've heard the Trump legal team say, the, the common theme is that they don't want to even hear the evidence. They want to they want to talk about the case in some sort of a uh, fundamental way. Should we even be listening to this? <clears throat> They're throwing these court cases out. I remember listening to to Sidney Powell a couple of weeks ago make her case before a an appellate court in Georgia, basically, um, you know, never even getting to the meat of this, throwing this out on technicalities and so forth. But anyway, that is kind of where we are. And so, to me, the only way. The only way that this gets addressed at this late hour, which again, I'm not predicting, I'm not, this is, um, I mean, look, this is, we're in some some difficult uh, times now. And we've got this election, this special election in Georgia. Some people are saying, why would I even vote in this? We know what they did last time. They're just going to do it again. But then again, you can't just allow the Democrats to take control of the Senate as well. This would be I, th- this would be if that happened. If they kept the House, if they I say keep the House because there's some Sidney Powell's out there saying that they've had House seats stolen as well, not just the presidency. But if they take the House, if they the Democrats take the House, they take the presidency, they take the Senate. That's a recipe for disaster for this great nation, for the economy. Uh, for small business, when you look at what we're going to do with COVID, COVID shutdowns, and I mean, you you know where this is this is headed. Um, if we if we see these folks in power, there's released uh, there, there's leaks of of notes from a conference call Biden had with some 
power brokers in the Democrat Party promising to to move further left on some issues. All that stuff out there percolating, right? You've got you've got the uh, talk of defunding the police. I think that was one of the issues on the call. I mean, there's all, all these things that are out there. All these things that are out there while the Democrat governors and power brokers, party bosses are out there living it up, living it up, having lavish parties as Governor Andrew Cuomo did as he's not allowing New York City businesses to effectively operate anymore. This will be on a mag this this will be on a great magnitude across this country. If you're in a state right now where your your governor has not uh, put his or her boot on the throat of small uh, the throat of small businesses yet, get ready. <laughs> get ready for potentially what's going to be coming here for they have complete unchecked power the Democrats do in Washington DC. DC that's a terrible terrible thing. So these things hang in the balance. State legislatures are the last line of defense. Again, I tend to agree with Dershowitz. These are not the courts are not going to make any meaningful decision whereby the outcome of this election is is actually uh, changed. As Dershowitz points out, even the Pennsylvania case before the Supreme Court, um, if they if they hear that and if they rule in uh, the plaintiff's favor, there may not be enough votes in that particular case to turn this. They're going to have to release the Kraken, as Sidney Powell said, and release it quickly and get in front of these legislatures. And that's and that's where you, I think, come in. That's where you come in. This is where pressure can be applied from citizens demanding, look, folks, we just want justice and truth here. That's all we want. We want every legal vote counted and every fantasy made up fraudulent vote not to count. And if someone doesn't agree with that, if someone cannot get on board with that basic concept, folks, they are an enemy of this process. They are. I don't care if they're a a friend or a state legislature. Right? These these are folks that that is a such an obvious <clears throat> thing that we should all be in agreement with. We don't want to not count any of the legal ballots if Trump lost at the bad thing for america but that's just the way that it goes that is elections have consequences right i mean that's just that's just the truth that's the that's the cold hard truth and reality however if these allegations are true and if this uh if the evidence that we see holds up to be true it is absolutely positively overwhelming and it cannot it cannot allow be allowed to stand it simply cannot and that's why we've got to put pressure on these legislators, individual state legislators, because, folks, they, they are the last line of defense. And that's why it aggravates me when I hear or I don't hear, even for those that don't look. I know, I know state senators, U.S. senators don't have any direct uh, role here. But when I see state sen- or U.S. senators like Todd Young sit on his, on his backside and do nothing and hide – talk about a bunch of things that you know it's like whistling past the graveyard right now for me it's maddening to watch this happen we can't allow we cannot have senators like this and not not just senators any other elected position anyone else who's whistling past the graveyard acting like this is normal acting like this is just you know we've got to deal with this and accept reality when there's all this evidence of of fraud and uh corruption right before our eyes and no interest no interest whatsoever 
long in this segment. Got to take a break. Want to shift gears a tiny bit when we get back. Democrats are now actually going on offense about this. It's a remarkable thing, wanting to basically call people who are standing up against this, U.S. congressmen, Republicans, who've uh, basically signed on with the state of New, uh, with, with the state of Texas in that Supreme Court lawsuit. They want to say, "Look, you are you're acting in a seditious way. You're basically guilty of treason." Talk of even having some of these folks not uh, having Pelosi not seat them as as members of Congress and so forth. So this is what they do. Buckle up for this. The political party of retribution is about to be in full swing here if they get away with this. So sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. I'm going to take you on a walk on the wild side here this morning. I'm going to take you into the, well, into MSNBC. I don't know how else to tell you this. We're going to we're going to venture in to the belly of the beast, MSNBC. There's a guy on here. You may have heard him before. His name's Chris Hayes. This program is called All In. I think it's called All In with Chris Hayes. It's more like All Insane with Chris Hayes. So he's got Adam Schiff on. I don't know when this is from. This is from last week, I believe, December eleventh. So that would be what uh, Friday. Huh, Adam Schiff, the same Adam Schiff, by the way. I just just to frame this. You remember this? The House. He's the one that was leading the whole impeachment nonsense, the shenanigans, the hearings. They march. I never forget this as long as I live. The the march. It was almost like. Remember when they took the the articles of impeachment and they marched them across from the the House chamber to the Senate, and they all had sad looks upon their faces. And you could tell they they talked about the walk, what it would look like, long faces, almost like they were, you know, as they, as they were carrying these articles of impeachment. It was almost to feel like they were carrying uh, carrying a casket. And inside that casket was the United States Constitution. And they were so somber, these Dramacrats, and so sad as they carried carried this across. It's just a total farce and, and just a joke. I mean, it makes for great satire because these folks cannot be taken seriously. Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff cannot be taken seriously. Unfortunately, he has the power to, to where we better darn well take him seriously because – He's not afraid to use it. So I want to play really quickly here. Actually, you're going to have to sit tight. I, this, this, there's a couple minutes of this, and I want to play. I want to play as much as I can stomach. It's a couple minutes long. I don't think I can stomach the whole thing. As I was listening into it uh, during the break, I realized I can't stomach this whole thing. We'll probably get about a minute and a half or so into this before I'll have to say, stop it. I can't take it anymore. It is so ridiculous and so patronizing and so much living in an alternate universe. I don't even know what to what to say about it. Well, I do know what I want to say about it, but I just I can't stomach very much of it. So we'll do that on the other side of the break to keep on the program uh, format here as much as we can today. So sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. 
back when I get to this soundbite from between Adam Schiff, radical leftist representative from the state of California, People's Republic of California, on All Insane with Chris Hayes. But I want to mention this as well. I don't I won't have time to get into this today, but there's a report that the US Treasury has been breached by hackers from either from or backed by a foreign government. Any guesses on who that probably is at the top of your list? Anyone say China? That's my first obvious guess. I don't know if that's been released yet, but I've I've seen this this morning. Um, and that is what is being reported. But I want to go back to this, this, this conversation. And again, I'm going to share as much of this with you from uh, Looneyville as I possibly can before I can't stomach anymore. Chris Hayes, all insane. He's got his program guest, Adam Schiff, on here asking him, well, you can listen to the conversation yourself. I'm going to cut this off when I can't take anymore, but here it is. You know, I think one of the deepest debates institutional democratic debates that will happen and unfold over the next few months is a question about essentially how to save and preserve and expand American democracy and whether that means fighting fire with fighter, fighting fire with fire, meaning procedural maximalism with procedural maximalism or fighting fire with water, meaning meeting procedural maximalism with restraint, with stewardship, with uh, not pursuing that avenue. And on that question, Bill Pascrell today, your colleague, said, look, the House controls its own membership. Nancy Pelosi should not seat the people that signed on to this if they are calling their own election into question. That's particularly true of the 12 members of the Republican caucus who are in the states that they have signed on to an amicus brief to invalidate the votes of. And I wonder what you think of that. Here we go. Well, you know, to use your metaphor, uh, I don't think uh, when the president of the United States and some of my Republican colleagues are trying to burn the House down around us, uh, when the president's trying to burn the House down on his way out the door, that we want to set a new fire. Um, so I don't think that's the answer. Um, you know, we had to deal with those kind of tactics during the campaign, and we fought back, but we didn't sink to their level. Of course. Uh, no. We fought back and no. we won. Uh, and now yeah. that victory has been upheld in the court uh, and Here Joe Biden go. will be sworn in as president of the United States. So, uh, you know, I think our strategy worked. Didn't sink. Uh, we yeah, don't want to become them. Uh, you know, I certainly understand Bill's uh, become frustration. Uh, and I think the, the, the point that he's making is a powerful one. But I think the remedy is to um, okay. to I, make the case to the American people. I told people you I can't take any more of this. That, that's as much as I can take. What do you mean they don't want to – you don't want to become – them, Adam Schiff. I, it is remarkable to me. These individuals, they project like none other. The projection here is off the charts. He's, <laughs> he's saying that Trump's burning the house down. Republicans are burning the house down on their way out. We don't want to fight fire with fire. We want to fight fire with water. We want to be the voice of reason. We want to be the voice that that instills confidence in the American people. After all, Trump's out there causing us to have no faith in our system of elections. Oh, it's agonizing. It reminds me of Pelosi. Remember, Pelosi was just so agonized whenever she, oh, I got no choice but to vote for the articles of impeachment. Oh, it keeps me up at night. I pray for my president. I hope she does, by the way. Well, I get. I don't know what she prays, so let me let me preface it by saying that, but... I just I don't these this is this is bad drama. 
And for the average person that watches this and takes these folks at their word and sees this as anything short of a performance is is a little bit maddening to me. Is a little bit maddening to me. These folks engaged in nothing other than sideshows and drama and made-for-television reality TV here. Of course, reality TV is more scripted than sitcoms were back in the days when I was a kid and growing up watching television. But this idea that Adam Schiff is over here saying, we don't want to sink, we don't want to sink to their level. This, We're not going to do this. We're not going to start a fire. They're the ones that are start, starting the fires. You've got to be kidding me. This guy, this guy is perhaps the biggest hack in, uh, in all of Congress, Adam Schiff, over here lecturing us about not wanting to start a fire. The courts have decided. The courts have ruled. There's no evidence. Well, let's talk about the evidence. No, we can't do that. The courts have ruled against it. Trump's trying to burn the House down. Every vote should count. Adam Schiff, do you think every illegal vote should count? Is that we? every vote should count? Don't want to start fires. We want to use water to fight fire, not fire. Chris Hayes, I'm on your program. I'll use your analogy. All insane. All insane indeed. Just crazy stuff we're dealing with here. Adam Schiff preaching to us. It's quite a remarkable feat. Thank you, but no thank you, Congressman Schiff. I got to take a, take a time out. Fucking need to take a shower after that. Sit tight back here in, back here in just a minute. I'm up against it here, but I want to share this. I mentioned this off the top. I was going to get to this. Sydney Powell, this is an, uh, an article in the Epic Times. Trump could trigger 2018 executive order on foreign election interference. Lawyer Sidney Powell asserted that due to alleged foreign interference in the November 3rd election, it's more than sufficient to trigger President Donald Trump's executive order on foreign in- interference issued in 2000. And 18. This is executive order. What's the number? 13858, I think. Is that, is that what it is? 13848 is the number. Executive order here. Anyway, you've got some actual, um, you know, some influential folks that are out there saying this now. We'll see what happens. You know, I didn't have the time to play the soundbite of Trump at the Army-Navy game. The cheers were incredible. By the way, some folks would point out that John Ratcliffe was on that flight as well. Who knows? Who knows? Lots to talk about here in the days to come. Got to go. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.